Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from forthright women themselves. Let's do it. Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast. I am Ann Candido. I'm joined here by my co-founder, April Martini. Yes. Hi, everyone. Back again. Back again. Until we get through all eight weeks of the program. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. So like I just mentioned, we are going through the weeks of our program, Stand in Your Power, Redefining the Art of Being an Executive Mom. And the one we're going to talk about today is week five. And this one is holding yourself accountable. Yes. Are you ready for this one, April? We're ready. Okay, let's do it. All right, so April, tell us a little bit about why this is an important topic, especially for executive moms. Absolutely. So I think one of the hardest things to do related to holding yourself accountable is to allow yourself to actually do so. And that's the Mm. reason why we have made this an entire week of our curriculum. Because I think what ends up happening is we give so much to other people that in doing service, we actually do ourselves harm in this area, but we feel good about it at the same Mm. time. And so I feel like addressing this head on really forces you to turn the mirror on yourself and do a good amount of work. But on the other side of that, I think it highlights pretty quickly areas where we get a little bit stuck in this and where we let things come through and take our time that shouldn't. There's an extreme of this, right? Like what you just referenced, it's like there's a martyrdom, right? Where it's like, I'm just here to serve others, Mm -hmm. right? Which then doesn't provide the time or the capacity you need in order to do the things that you want to go do. Mm -hmm. Or you're kind of on the other side of it, which is I you just make up excuses as to why you just don't have time yes. or you just, you know, it'll be sometime in the future or some element of deflection of the mm-hmm. fact that it's just not the right time or something yep. like that. So there seems like there's kind of like, you know, it might not be opposites per se, but those seem to be two camps of where women, especially executive moms, kind of reside that they're either... I'm too busy being of service to others or I'm too busy with everything else in my life and I can't carve time out for this. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm in this phase or season or whatever and when it changes, maybe I'll look at it again. Right. Yeah. Which is probably why, and maybe you can explain and provide some insights on this, when we actually did this week with our group, it was a little bit of a hard one for them to wrap their minds around, right? And have a discussion over. Why do you think that was? We're... In week five and up until this point, we've had really good conversation, really in-depth conversation, lots of conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think also the maturation of the group, getting to know each other better, feeling more comfortable, we had just seen it build and build and build. And I think when we got to this week, number one, the tough thing is this takes time. Mm -hmm. So you have to undo some, not bad habits, but just habits that you had You also have to start to identify triggers that cause you to have those habits over the long term. And then I think, again, because you have to take a really hard look at yourself and kind of sit in your feelings and your emotions and why am I letting this happen or Mm -hmm. am I letting this happen or, 
is it my quote-unquote fault? It's not, I don't think, an easy place to sit and really think about. And I think because it does have a lot of depth and angles to it, it's really an ongoing exercise. And so I think, number one, it was hard for the group and the amount of time they had because we do write a Mm -hmm. Wednesday presentation and the following Monday is the office hours to make a ton of progress. But I also think this one can just feel a little bit heavier than some of the other ones because they're a little bit more peel away, take away, right. you know, get rid of this. Here's some tools for this. And this one's more like, okay, now that you've shed a lot of stuff, we're going to get into the harder homework of things. And so I think that's what ended up happening this past week. Yeah. And I think in general, you're right. It's not as tangible of a thing to go yes. do. Like there's not like specific action items that feel like they're crystal clear and they mm-hmm. kind of rise from the murkiness, if you will. But I also think, and I'm not saying this is a reflection of our, our group, and I don't want them to be like, Ooh, who is that in our group? No, but <laughs> I think it's a reflection in totality that sometimes when we get in these situations where we struggle to take accountability for ourselves, that it's because we feel like the environment is the problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. well, all these people are my problem. My boss is my problem. My environment's my problem. The age of my kids is my problem. And so it feels like it's things that you can't control and you can't change. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were to actually say, okay, well, let me look at this from a the perspective of everything is a choice. Therefore, I can make different choices even within the same situation I am. That seems like a lot harder because you're in these mindsets and you're in this like this quagmire a little bit of the constant state of it's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's problem, right? Yeah. And I think the other thing is that we tend to depend on others to help us see the light. Yeah. Or to make it okay for us to go do these things, right? When my kids get older, when I get my next assignment done and my boss will see me this way and then they'll promote me. Um, when I just get a few more minutes because my kids can drive, you know, then I can be able to do all those things. And then we find... When we don't plan for these things, we then end up not having any concrete actions to take at those times. So therefore, we're kind of lost with regards to what to go do next. Yeah, I think it is a little bit. I, I like what you said about relying on other people. I think we're also looking for permission. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that is a really hard place to be coming from because if you are relying on others or you're waiting for someone to give you permission, you're never going to get that. Correct. And so I think that also just it, it makes this a, a tougher topic. Yeah, I totally agree. So in helping them to kind of crystallize this topic, April, what are some examples of times when you've had to hold yourself more accountable or you learned to hold yourself more accountable and what was the impact that that generated? As Some of you know, I left agency life, and if you listen to our other podcasts, you definitely know, and did my own thing. And in my head, I felt like that was going to be probably close to a two to two and a half year runway of when I would have to go and try to figure out what I wanted to do next. I really thought that that was a good amount of time, given all my experience, to get this thing up and running. Well, a year came around and it was already done, and I was feeling like, I was in a place where I wasn't really sure what to go do next. I felt a little lonely. I was calling a lot of shots every week and getting, you know, projects underway and running and all that was good. It was working like a machine. That was kind of the bad part. 
it was that I didn't have a lot of else, right? I didn't have a growth path for myself. I didn't know what was going to be next. It came and hit me quickly. And so I sat with myself for a little bit and I was like, okay, I could continue to ride this, but I'm already a little bit bored. That's a dangerous place for me to be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Amen. (laughs) (laughs) What am I going to go and do with this? And so Ultimately, it was the beginning of the year. I'm not a big resolution person, but I am a reset, restart, recharge, you know, like what what am I going to do to jumpstart a solution to this problem? And so I decided that I was going to take any meeting that was asked of me that year. And then I put that out into the universe, but also verbally and loudly, like I tend to do sometimes with everyone I knew. And long story short, and again, for those of you that know the story, that's what led me to Anne in fairly short order. I mean, Mm -hmm. we met a few months after that, but I was taking a lot of meetings and, you know, some of them it was like, well, that was pointless, but others started to build on each other. And so we talk about the five degrees of Kevin Bacon or the seven degrees, whatever it is. Depends on how much you want to drink. Depending, yeah, (laughs) of me getting to Anne. And had I not started on that path, And I think about this often. I'm like, I wonder what would have transpired. Right. Because where we sit today is very different than where I sat now as a business owner on my own. I could have sat in that. I could have rode that out for a while. Um, The work was pretty lucrative and pretty easy. But instead, I realized, and from past experience, it's just a bad place for me to be. As soon as that boredom starts to set in, I have to hold myself accountable to finding another way. Yeah, I love this story, not just because it led you to me. <laughs> you do love it for that reason. I do love it for that reason, I'll be honest. But there's other elements of this, which is like, I mean, we could spend a whole episode unpacking everything about this, but just mm-hmm. to like highlight a couple of the things I think would be really interesting for everybody to understand about that whole entire situation is, one, you had very little kids at the time. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I this, had an infant. Yes. And so this was not like something that you were taking lightly for one, Mm-mm. and it did require you to actually leave pretty lucrative clients and work in order to go really look for your passions or look for the more interesting work or look to expand or look to grow. And you prioritize that and the opportunity of that over what was already certain, what was already kind of quote unquote safer. And a a reasonable person might say, oh, I'll do that, you know, when my kids are older, right? But you didn't. You're like, I'm prioritizing myself. I am going to make sure that Whatever I'm doing is going to reap a great impact both from myself, my family, and in the work that I'm doing and feel like I have something to give there. And so the actual opportunity to network, again, not taken lightly, it's like, okay, that's the action to actually go make this happen. You just didn't sit and wait for it all to come to you, which is like mm-hmm. a lot of people do is like they set up this, what they think is this infrastructure, send out a couple of social LinkedIn comments or questions or whatever, and then that's all they do, and mm-hmm. they wait for it all to come to them. So, I mean, again, a lot to unpack there, but I think that's just like a really fantastic example across the board of how you took a lot of your accountability for yourself, your own happiness, your own passions, your calling of what you wanted to do, and obviously it worked out for the best. <laughs> well, and I mean, I'll, I'll give another quick one here. Even before that, the year before that, when I left the agency – it was another level of holding myself accountable. I mean, right. I was reaching a period of time and a point in time where, I'll just say it like this. Had I not left when I 
decided to hold myself accountable to and acknowledge the fact that that was not my agency and therefore I may be overstepping and that was why some people were getting frustrated with me. It could have ended badly. There were also on the other side of that, to your point about having really young kids, many people in my life who thought I was insane to leave a six-figure salary and a VP title with a son who was, gosh, I don't know, not even 18 months old, 15 months old, and knowing that I was going to have another one eventually. I mean, that was another example where it was like, but again, to your point, if I had I sat in that longer, things would have not netted out well for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and obviously it led you to the second example or the yes. first example, which is yes. the, the better one. But um, I think <laughs> I think overall the, the lessons here is that it's not always easy. No. It's not always certain, but it is a journey, yep. right? And so a lot there with regards to trusting in your ability to figure it out. And if you plan appropriately, things will be okay or however they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You put yourself out there, I believe you get – in equal amount at some point, the payoff of that. I totally agree. Are you ready for some quick fire questions? We all know how good I am at these and it's been a week. Okay. All right. Here we go. If you could have dinner with three people who are live, who would they be? (laughs) Oh, geez. And April has no, I I said this time we're not going to like preface the questions (laughs) to each other. So she has no idea. So she has to do whatever comes to her head and she's a processor. So she's interesting. Okay. Well, okay. I'm going to take the celebrity lens on this because I've been reading lots of biographies lately. Number one is Shaquille O'Neal. As many of you know, he's my main man. Mm -hmm. And I am so intrigued by the hard transition from basketball player to, he has a, a doctor behind his name, a PhD, and just a business mogul. So he's one. The second one I would say is Matthew Perry. I'm fresh off of his. So when I don't have a better answer, this is how it works. So there's uh-huh. a little insight into my brain. However, I left and came back from that book many times and thought it was going to be a whole lot heavier and like emotionally taxing than it was. And I just so appreciate that he owns his journey and also is still hopeful because we can't see the future and we can't predict it, that he's going to stay on the right track. And then the third one I'm going to say is uh, Mr. Will Smith, who I also, which is going to make Anne laugh because I was, I was a former fan of his and then kind of fell off. And then Anne said, please read this book. You will enjoy it just purely from the performance art and also probably the fact that I lived through a lot of him, right? We're, and by read, you mean you listen to listen. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah listen, because it's a listen. totally, it's a total experience to listen to that. Book. Yeah, I would say in quotes. But the thing that I really found interesting about him was his ability to solidify what he wanted at the coaxing of his manager. And you and I have talked about yeah. this, Anne, because he was a little bit frenetic and chasing various things, right. right? But then when forced to really make that decision and hold himself accountable. He was like, I want to be the biggest movie star in the world. And he achieved that. And I don't think I ever even internalized that until I listened to slash read his book. So anyway, I'm like I said, uh, I'm going the famous route. I'm going the recency route. But I, I do think that when you look at famous people, especially people that are very much in the public eye, and then you get to actually understand their journey, it just really makes them more human so I'm a little bit down this path of like if 
fascination, but also realness with it. I've never been someone that is like, you know, you see a celebrity and you freak out and you can't talk. I'm just like, oh, I don't, you know, they're famous, but whatever. This has given me sort of a new way to think about that fame. That'd be a very entertaining dinner party. For I sure. know, right? And you put all of them in me. That would be hysterical. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> Not, yeah. Anyway. All right. There you go. I love it. Trying okay. to be succinct and quick. You did good. You did good. Uh, one more. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you could choose the professions for your kids, what would they be? Oh, man. So I have said this in different ways many times, and I said this in my recent venue interview. The best thing my parents did for the five of us kids is never compare us to each other and allow us to live into our individual passions. That didn't mean they didn't hold us accountable or hold us to high standards. That's not what I'm saying, so don't mishear that. But all of us have very, very different professions from each other, and I think it's a result of that. And so when I think about my two and where they are right now, I would say that For Sam, I would like him to find a path on the more creative side. He is a fantastic artist and Mm -hmm. he commits himself to it and he's way better than I ever could have imagined. I think at his age, being seven and a half, he gets caught up in the things that you expect. Right now he wants to be Ronaldo when he grows up. I'm like, dude, Ronaldo's (laughs) been playing soccer since he could walk. And also, let's just be real about our skills. I don't say that. Uh, So, But I I do think it is unique how much he loves it, how it is a safe space for him when he is feeling anxious. And he just inherently has a talent in it. And so I hope that he continues to explore that because I think that could be a really good thing for him. With Mia, it's harder. She's only four and a half. But one of the things I appreciate about her is she has this quiet confidence about her where she doesn't need other people's approval. And man, I hope she keeps that. But for her, I could see her really investing herself in a profession that is more... um, like research focused or mm. and in a problem solving way. Like she's my one that you don't know she's processing and solving and then all of a sudden she'll come to you like the other day she answered Sam's math problem out of nowhere when we were working on it. Mm. So I just think like her little mind and her ability to immerse herself really would serve her at this point in time, who knows? She's four and a half. But um to something along the lines of like research that gets to uncovering I don't know maybe I I don't want to say doctor because I can't do math and science but some some sort of problem solution investigation type role or a hacker or a hacker I mean yeah that's the other side of a personality which yeah that's another topic for another day yeah anyway I love it no those are good I like that thank you for uh sharing that and, and and giving that context for us I think that was really interesting yeah not so quick but you know that's okay there we go I think you did okay that's what I'm only gonna ask you too <laughs> So, all right. So thank you all for joining us for our podcast episode today about holding yourself accountable. And thank you all for being forthright women. Awesome. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.